podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hiya and welcome to another Tour Player Special. I'm Josh Sexton. Today we're going to be talking about grassroots football and joining me to do that is a familiar voice in Simon Hughes and a not-so-familiar voice is the founder of the Save Grassroots Football campaign, Kenny Saunders. Uh, most of you will be familiar with the issues involving grassroots football over the years and Kenny has been one of the driving forces behind solving some of those issues, setting up protests and petitions to ensure the grassroots game is properly funded. So Kenny, I'm just interested to start first of all, um, what you do and what it, what it was that made you want to start this campaign? Well, it, it's going back nearly four years now, um, in, in, uh, up towards Buckley Hill there, the little junior football league, uh, we're getting out priced, the kids are getting out priced for playing football, council wanted to increase pitch fees from £150 a year to £600 for mini soccer. Adults was 350 to £1,350. Um, I got in touch with the council. They said, it's got nothing to do with you. You don't live in, you know, their area, Sefton. And I said, well, you know, it's grassroots football. I'll do something about it. So there was a consultation period uh, just before Christmas of 2013. Three weeks leading up to it, I went to managers' meetings, league meetings, whatever, to try and drum up support. Uh, for the Beatle Junior Football League because I think if this was allowed to go through there would have been a presence across the country and many teams and kids would be priced out of football so what I did I ended up um, one Sunday second week in December uh, we met up at Buckley Hill and uh, we had about 10,000 kids not participating in football that weekend we had about two or 300,000 people there at Buckley Hill I was told we wouldn't get any publicity, nothing at all. Sky were there, BBC were there, Granada were there. So much so within two weeks, um, the council ripped the consultation documents up and the kids up there are still playing today for the same amount of fee. So that was the time for me and I needed, we needed to do something across the country. I spoke to David Crosby, MP, and basically what we did, we put an e-petition out to try and get some funding into grassroots football. Since then, we've had two petitions out which have failed. One was 36,000, one was about 25,000. And um, seven weeks ago, I decided to put another one out there myself to get 5% of the new TV deal uh, of £8.3 billion, 5% of that, which will be over 400 million. Let's see if we can get the e-petition to 100,000. Let's see if we can get this money back into grassroots football where it is needed. And I'm interested to know, um, as you mentioned there, the sort of money that is at the top level of the game, obviously, as, as Liverpool fans, a lot of us would have spent the summer sort of complaining that the lack of not spending £70 million on a centre-half. I'm interested to know sort of the level of investment that's there in the grassroots game currently, because I know there are some sort of, there are schemes coming from the FA and, and the government to, you know, boost this, but I'm interested to know the current well, level of investment. The situation is, governments, the FA and the Premier League, a number of years ago, just after 1999, the three of them were putting £20 million pound a year into a facility fund. So that was £60 million coming into a facility fund. It still wasn't nowhere near enough. However, without anybody noticing, the three of them reduced it to 12 each. So for a period of time, eight or nine years anyway, we've lost a lot of money out to grassroots football. It's okay, the likes of the Premier League and the FA saying, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, look what we're doing. But... You know, if you go behind the scenes and go round grassroots football, it's 2017 now, and we still got men peeing in bushes. 
no showers, no changing facilities. You know, some of the pitches, certainly the junior kids are playing on, you know, the Dutch wouldn't even graze their cows on. They're that poor. We've needed a lot, you know, support from the FA councils and government for many, many years, and they failed. And, you know, the FA run grassroots football, but you know what? They would sooner go and build a stadium, which they can't even fill now, when they could have spent that money into grassroots football and taking England for, you know, five, six, seven years around the country, you know, and give everyone a chance to watch England. But they didn't. They ploughed it into, you know, into Wembley, turn it back on grassroots football. And now people are walking away from grassroots football as young as 12 years of age. And the sort of level of investment that's there already, is, it, I think part of the problem is that some of it's coming from the City Council, there's pressure on the City Council to, to cough up some of that money. I think there's an argument to say, isn't there, that you know, they're, they're not the ones who should be given out with the, with the amount of money that's at the top level of the game. I think to tell you the truth, at the stage what it is now, you know, the billions and billions and billions of pounds at the top of the tree has to filter to the root. And, you know, they have but not as much as what, you know, Mr. Scudamore has been saying. He classes, you know, academies as grassroots football. Well, they're a million miles away. I mean, the academies have got everything. Our kids at grassroots football have got very, very minimum. So that's why I think it's sad on the likes of councils because government cuts to local councils is having a massive, massive knock-on effect to grassroots football. You know, pitch is not getting cuts selling off of land for housing, you know, to balance books and things like that. You know, grassroots football is in a very difficult time at the moment tonight, you know. And uh, just with the money that has sort of come in so far, I think, you know, the FA in particular have been keen to shout about the, you know, 200 million that's, that's, that's going to be going into it and that sort of thing. How far does that money go? Have, has there been some sort of notable improvement so far in terms of that sort of money or is it just not not good enough so far, not enough of a positive it's, it's effect? It's not good enough. You know, the FA... The FA have said to themselves, they put something out 18 months ago, to improve the facilities in grassroots football would cost £5 billion. So you look at £240 million divided by 38,000 grassroots clubs, you're talking, I think I worked it out, you know, it's a few thousand pounds. You know, we need more than that. You know, some of the facilities are no better now than when I was 10 and 11. And you're looking at nearly 40-odd years ago. As it turned and said, it's been neglected for many, many years and it's coming back to bite them on the backside at the moment. I mean, everyone's looking at the, you know, the under-17s, 18s, 19s of England. But at the end of the day, most of them kids, I'd like to know where they'll be in five years' time. But they certainly won't be playing in the Premier League because the way the Premier League is at the moment, it's a multi-multi-billion pound business. They don't... They don't want to see homegrown players coming through. You know, they want to see Chinese players playing. They want to see Italians. They want to see Spanish because they can sell the global rights. So it's not really about football. And the saddest thing to me is that, you know, in 1999, it, it was set up to benefit football in this country and benefit grassroots football. The Premier League hasn't done any of that. And Liverpool's obviously sort of seen as a, as a hub of football in a way, and there's, there's many sort of famous, you know, grassroots football stories from over the years and loads of success stories at Liverpool in particular. You've got the likes of, you know, Jimmy Case and Phil Thompson, yeah. who who both themselves came from grassroots football. Has there been a sort of noticeable drop-off in terms of the teams and the leagues, how much they've been suffering over the years? And I'm, I'm interested to know sort of, well, how many of them we've seen drop off because, you know, it's, it's, it is such a big place for football. I think one of my issues, and it's been an issue for a long, long time, and again, the FA have done nothing about it. You know, 
these clubs now are taking kids in as young as five years of age. It's absolutely scandalous. I mean, the FA's have a massive big child abuse case going against them at the moment. There's thousands and thousands of people stepping forward. But you know what? It's okay for five and six and seven and eight and nine-year-old lads, boys and girls, to go into academies and be told at the end of five or six weeks, you're not wanted. That's abuse to me. And the problem being is nine out of ten who are leaving academies you know, after being there two or three years, nine, 10, 11 years of age, are walking away from grassroots football because the dreams are being broken and they, th they think they're not going to make it as a professional footballer. And we need to do something, the FA needs to do something and stop the kids going into academies so early and let them just enjoy grassroots football, which, as you said before, every player was born in grassroots football taken along on a Saturday or Sunday to a coaching session with a free volunteer who's get their own time and effort up to make that kid good enough to go into an academy to become a multi-millionaire within the Premier League. One thing I'll just say is, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's quite interesting on this week of all the weeks that we're talking about this because um, obviously England under-17s yeah. have won the World Cup, comes a few months after the under-20s did the same, which would lead towards the suggestion that academy football is working. You know, the academy football is working. It's 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 the fact that the players can't get into the teams, you know, because of, you know, the, the amount of money above. Um, but I mean, having written this book, <clears throat> which... I'm sure you're going to allow me to plug. Uh, <laughs> Shamelessly. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, which assesses, you know, football, the state of football in the Northwest from the top to the very bottom. You know, uh, the, one of the conclusions that I came to, to really is just how academy football has failed, really. It, might, it may have... It may have... Um, it may have, may have worked for a select few, yeah. but for the major, absolute overwhelming majority, it, is, it has failed. Um I mean, I, I was just wondering from Kenny's point of view, it might become a slightly more difficult argument to have, you know, even now, now, yeah. you know, where it seems like, you know, that everything's hunky-dory because we've got, you know, you know, 11, 11 bright young English players when the reality is is very different, I think. I, I think, as you said, it's, it's, listen, you know, we all, we all want England to do well, you know, at national level and that, you know, it's all okay producing it at under-17s, 19s, 23s or whatever, but we need to produce it, you know, at the top. And unfortunately, we're not. And the reason behind that, as we all know, our own kids, young kids, are not getting the chance. Because, you know, most of the managers in the Premier League now are foreign managers. Do they trust? Have they trusted our academy system? Do they trust our kids? Maybe the odd one or two might come through. But I'd done a couple of stats three or four weeks ago. And it was just a Liverpool match, Man City game, and a Chelsea match. Out of a possible 33 starters, there was two, two of them, homegrown. And one of them, which was Chelsea, didn't have any. And then two weeks after that, Chelsea, two weeks on the run, there wasn't a homegrown player playing mm -hmm. it. So it's not going to get any better. So at the end of the day, the billions and billions that were thrown at the academies, the players are not coming through. So... Is that money wasted? Mm. Can it go back? Can it be filtered back down into grassroots football to produce a lot more kids coming through with better facilities, better coaching? Um, kids, you know, not missing out on 15, 20 weeks a year of football. Why? Because the pitches are poor. They've got nowhere to train. They're outpriced and playing on an astroturf. There's a number of issues there. But I think the main thing for me is we need to keep grassroots football going to produce 
even if it's on one player to come through to Liverpool or Everton or wherever, we need them. But don't use it as a cartel and throw these kids, you know, in a deep in a deep end and six weeks later throw them out and they're chasing the dreams around the country. We can't do that to six and seven and eight and nine year old kids. Mm. I think I spoke to quite a few people, like academies and you know non-league managers, and it just really showed me how how academy football has is, is just completely shifted the dynamic. You know, everywhere really, particularly down into the non-leagues, where you know maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago that players playing non-league football would be on the way up from the amateur yeah, game. That's right. But the problem is now <laughs> we talk about grassroots football there. You know, grassroots football is obviously adult right, football right, as well. Yeah. It's not. It's that's not right, just. Yeah. It's not just kids football. And yeah. um, you know, there's there's a smaller pool of players now that to, to choose from. And instead, a lot of non-league clubs are pick, picking players who dropped out, dropped down. So there's not that love for non-league football. Certainly, that's right. you know, these players feel quite broken yeah. by their experiences. I think. Um, I'm just picking up on what Kenny you know, start at the beginning there. I mean, you mentioned Buckley Hill there. When I when I first started, my entry point into football was playing football, Sunday league team at Buckley Hill. Every Sunday, you know, every single yeah. pitch from the hours of 10 till probably two or three yeah, in the taken. afternoon will be taken. Now, if you drive past, there's one or two being used and yeah. it, 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 it's it's quite shocking to watch. And it's one of these things that is has gradually happened over time. It hasn't been an overnight kind mm-hmm. of... Um, you know, kind of uh, disintegration, if you like, but it has happened and it is affecting now the options that kids have to play as well. Um, you know, they're, they're having to spend more money on travel, you know, to to go and play specialised pitches. Yep. It's becoming much more expensive to play amateur football than it ever was before. And I think that puts kids off and families off, certainly. I mean, there's, there's absolutely so such a massive discussion to be had about this, but I think... You know, there's certainly one thing that I found in, in writing this book is, you know, you try and get like statistics from the Premier League, from the FA, you know, nobody really knows how many people are playing football anymore. All you can tell is the number of leagues that have dropped away. You look in places like Heighton and Kirby, right, which yeah. used to be, you know, yeah. an absolute, you know, kind of hotbed a mecca, players, hotbed yeah. of football. Yeah. There's no leagues there now. There's no league. There's no Crosby League That's anymore. Right. This all has a massive impact on the way we look at football, particularly when I was a... When I was, a, you know, a young person, I used to watch my dad play football. Now, fewer dads are playing football. So that that changes the way people see football and the way, what do you think it is? Yeah. Like for a lot of kids now, the, their their impression of football is what they see on TV, not yeah. what they see right. on a Sunday league pitch. And it changes, the perception changes the way the game plays for future generations, I think. So I think there's always a temptation as well to kind of say, ah, oh, it's just people moaning about it. You know, it's just because it's not as good as it was before. There is a there is a major problem there, an absolute major problem, and I, I think uh, football is going to need um, major reforms to to, yeah. to change to, for, for this to change. And it's not even about it's not it's certainly not about investment with it, with with grassroots football. It's not in terms of um, people necessarily want you know better facilities all the time. It's just to keep it going to make sure the the club still exists to make sure the players can still play. It's not about having the best changing rooms. I know you mentioned the changing rooms and stuff like that. Nine times out of ten, no one's that bothered about it, really. Mm, As long as you've got a referee who turns up, you know, and and we've got goals, that's fine. But even that's becoming an extension of the financial concern now. So, yeah, I think it's a warning that that the FA needs to heed. 
because I, I've got to be honest, I don't think the Premier League it really, you know, touches their their concerns at all. The no, radar. I don't think it does. The only thing I would say now and said, you know, there wasn't agreements in place in 1999, and people are aware of this. You know, the agreement was the Premier League was to contribute five percent of its TV revenue into grassroots football. That has never been the case, and no one's ever questioned it. And even now, I'd love to see what they're saying they're putting into grassroots football. Because, as you turn and said, if they're using their Premier League academies as grassroots football, well, I think they're wrong. Because mm. it's it's chalk and cheese. What they have, we have a grassroots football, our kids, compared to what them kids have in academies. You know, the under-sevens at Liverpool and Evan are training for seven or eight hours a week. Our kids in grassroots football, I know with my own club, we struggle to find a facility. For, you know, a couple of our teams mm. are £40 a pop. So we're a million miles away. And, you know, even in this city, and it disappoints me in this city because we've got two of the biggest Premier League clubs in this city. And four years ago when I started the campaign, I approached both of them. You know, what can we do? I said, well, can we have a charity game? Liverpool v Everton, all-star team. You know, Anfield one week, year, you know, good as soon a couple of years later or whatever. Mums and dads, kids sitting next to each other, reds and blues. All that money that goes into them games could go into grassroots football within the city to provide facilities, coaching courses, you name it, to keep grassroots football thriving within this city. And the two of them couldn't even be bothered to get back to me. So much so, I ended up going to Birmingham, Birmingham Football Club. I had to go there and we'd done a deal with them. They'd done a couple of matches that the tickets were half price. 50% of the ticket price went into grassroots clubs and teams in the area. We'd raised nearly £6,000. And I'm going to Birmingham to do it for their kids. Going down by train, spending a day down there. And two clubs here. And I played for both clubs. I played for the police Reserves, had two games, scored two goals. I played for, you know, the under-16s at um, Everton. When I used to play for McLean's team and David Jones's team. Now, we could set a presence in this city by doing something like that. Listen, they've all got their own foundations. Every team in the Premier League has got their own foundations now. And for me, it's great that they have got them. What does every one of them do for grassroots football? And the answer to that is nothing. Nothing at all. And in fact, they're tapping in to funds that we at Grassroots Football could be tapping into. And they're getting funded by the multi-million, billion-pound I think it's, uh, you know, there's there's certainly a piece to be written at some point about, obviously, Liverpool moving to Kirby because they're going to be taking on the land that used to be, again, the the, the place where every single weekend, you know, adult adult football. And, I mean, I, I, I used to play games up there and... Year by year, here like teams dropping away and everything else, and I think now they can get that land right. largely because nobody uses it anymore because there's there's no leagues and there's fewer teams. So I think um, yeah, it's 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 pretty demoralising. I think really, it's interesting, isn't it? That, that you know the own, the owner seems to sort of fall on the Premier League and the government, but it's just as much about what what single clubs should be doing. And at the moment, they're not really doing enough. I think particularly for this region of Liverpool and Everton, by the sounds of it, could be doing so much more. Just to touch back on the academies point you, you said before, I think 
The interesting thing with that is these kids who are coming through into the academies have got to be exceptionally talented footballers, don't they? But I think grassroots football has got to be just as much about giving a chance to, you know, kids who maybe aren't as good at football and, you know, Listen, kids of all abilities. 150% agree. You know, I've been asked the same question for years on years. Why do you coach? I've coached since I was 16. I used to come, I, I was an apprentice at Tramia. I used to come home on a Friday afternoon and I used to go to me primary school do coaching from 16. I'm now 54. I continue to coach, never taking a penny for any coaching sessions that we've ever done. Why do I coach? To give everybody the chance to play football, not to make the next Steven Gerrard, the Wayne Rooney, but to give as many kids a chance to play football. And that's exactly what we're doing, certainly at this, the new club that I'm involved in, which has been going just on two years with 200 kids, mixed ability kids all playing football. I'm enjoying the game and being friends and not being screened and sheltered at, as they are most Saturdays and Sundays out there in the leagues in junior football, which again needs control, needs to be led an example from the Premier League to the way they conduct themselves because the kids and the parents copy, you know, they, they think it's a Premier League game at under sevens, under eight games on a Saturday and Sunday. It's not. It's the kids' enjoyment for the week. Just let them enjoy football and just let them play. Listen, we're sitting around the table here, 95% of our friends is something to do with football. That's the power of football. And that's why, you know, certainly the campaign, listen, if we didn't have football in Heighton, where I lived, I had seven brothers. If we didn't have football, where would I be now? Would my mum be able to afford four or five pounds a week for the seven of us to go and play football? I don't think so. And I think I've told the story before. Three of us, three of my brothers got picked to play for the school team. I was the youngest out of the other two. And um, I had to play in my slippers indoors. So I understand how hard it is out there. And there's many kids, many families. You know, the issue in the last couple of days, see some fantastic pictures from Liverpool and Everton with the food bank situation. Listen. If we've got food banks in this city and other cities, people can't afford to eat. Well, I'm telling you now, people can't afford £4 for, for their kid to kick a ball for an hour on an assertive. We need to do something and we need to do something now. It's interesting that you touched on before the sort of issue with safeguarding the FA as well, because they've brought in this. If, if you're on social media, you're, you're more likely, more than likely, seeing this uh, 12 sort of steps to improve the safety of football with the uh, with the no slide tackling rule and all this sort of thing. It's, it's almost ironic in that they've they've missed the point that the facilities are so poor and the pitches get so muddy, particularly in winter, that you know it's not safe for these kids to play on, is it? No, it's certainly not. You know, and there's a massive big issue out there at the moment. So I don't know whether you're aware of it that they're ripping all the 3G pitches up in Holland and the likes of Germany. Now, we need some reassurance that we're getting 3Gs in the city, you know, to be the new football hub for the FA and that, you know, brilliant. But, you know, we do need the reassurance for the kids regarding them facilities. But as you turn around and said, you know, certainly the amateur game, you've got to go around the pits before the game and pick the dog muck up on the likes of Buckley Hill, as we were saying before, and that, you know, as a coach, you've got to walk that pitch and make sure there's, you know, there's no needles, there's no glass, there's no broken glass, things like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, the scrutiny is a safeguarding kids is massive at the moment and that, you know. But again, it's only come to light with, the, you know, then past players coming forward. 
and it's you know it's snowballed now. It's, it's like a PPI claim. There's that many people coming forward now, and you know what? Who was responsible? As far as I'm concerned, the people who were running football, and that's the FA again. And that you know, I think they haven't been putting good lights over the last few weeks of what's gone on. You know, with governments when they were brought forward into government to explain what had gone on, and to tell you the truth. I'm one of them people who lost faith in, in the FA many, many years ago and in need to total reform from the FA through to county FAs as far as I'm concerned and that, you know. It's interesting as well, uh, just just on the FA, they've sort of introduced in the last three years this grassroots football survey to give people, you know, the chance to have their voices heard. Have you seen sort of any impact from that or is, or is it just another sort of, you know, Well, it's not independent. It's, it's not an independent survey for the start. Right. You know, the independent one, Sky done one three years ago, uh, and part of that survey was something like, I think it was 80, 87% feel as though the FA and the county FAs are not doing a proper job. And that had more hits on there than what the survey that, um, you know, your FA are going to have now. Do they listen? I don't think they do listen. You know, if they'd listened... Maybe we would have won a World Cup by now, to tell you the truth, if they put the right people in place instead of yes, man, and that, you know. It's a shame. And do you say, you know, will he get any benefits of this survey? I don't think so. Because I think the survey could have and should have been done by people who are out there 20 hours a week in grassroots football, putting their free time and free efforts to keep grassroots running. The people in the FA and County FA, they work. Nine till five, Monday to Friday. When is grassroots football played? Saturday and Sunday. Doesn't make sense to me. It's left to the leagues, to the volunteers to sort all the problems that we have in grassroots football out. And I think what certainly we're finding now, them volunteers are not coming forward anymore because there's a lot. You've got to be a level one. You've got to be CRB, DRB. You've got to do your first aid. It's a lot of time and effort to put in even just your level ones, 20, 25 hours over a period of two weeks. People haven't got the time anymore. So we are struggling even for volunteers now within grassroots football. You mentioned uh, sort of near the top of the show about uh, the communication with the council you had before you got the campaign started. Have you, has there been a sort of change in that line of communication since you've been running the campaign or is it sort of them saying, well, it's not, not so much our job to be funding what you're doing while we're getting cuts? Well, I think to tell you the truth, I mean, again, it's great for the city. You know, the work on, on the, th the hubs uh, in Liverpool are going to be starting, I think, next Monday. Perineckles, Jericho, Simpson Ground, and one of exactly. There's going to be three geostaturfs and things there. So will it improve um, more kids playing football? I hope so. If it's costings, which I'm not aware of the costings yet for kids to go on there, if the costings are not right... We're not going to get more kids playing football. But what I don't want it to make on them four sites, I don't want grassroots football to come elite. So that means that the clubs or teams who are using them facilities, that's their facilities. And a team who's just about to start off, I've got nowhere to play and nowhere to train because they'll soon fold because parents will want to take their kid to the best club, junior football club, with all the best facilities and everything, the best coaches, it will come, maybe become elitist then, and I don't want it to become elitist. Across the country, well, if you haven't got funding from a council to help out with these new hubs, you haven't got a say in it. 
give Joe from what I gather Joe has put 3.6 million into this um, which I do believe it's been a loan from the FA but it's still got to be paid back and it's still got to come through taxpayers money do you find as well <clears throat> there's an issue of, of geography actually in, in relation to how the funding breaks down because when I when I went to Manchester, I went to see the club that uh, been written about quite a lot. Uh, Fletcher Moss Juniors, who, who've got um, you know provided to think ninety odds uh, football league players in the last twenty years, which is just an astonishing number. But basically, what's happened in Manchester is now because they've got such a good name, Fletcher Moss. They, despite not having the facilities that we've spoken about already, they're based in in Didsbury, which is obviously a, yeah. a wealthy area. Wealthy, yeah. They're getting a lot of kids playing for them from the less wealthy areas, like you know, come as far far away as Burnage to play, yeah. which means that there's fewer teams in Burnage to play for, which yeah. means that Didsbury gets all the the best yeah. players. When the reality is, it comes a point where the parents can't pay for them to go from. Yeah, from Burnage to Didsbury. Yeah. So it just leads to this gradual erosion. In the meantime, because Didsbury isn't um is is considered an area of reasonable wealth, it doesn't get the support or funding that it needs to support the number yeah. of players that want to go there. So the whole thing breaks down essentially it's, it's, because it's, yeah. of geography and yeah. and finance. And um I mean I was just wondering how that affects you in Liverpool, obviously the team, the club that you run. I mean, do, do you do you get play? Because as I said to you before, you know that there's there's very few leagues to play in, in in Crosby now. You're from Crosby, you've got to go and play in Hightown yeah, or or you know further away. So do do you find that there's players, young lads who are coming from across the city to actually play for your team now? Is that is that, is that the case? Unbelievably so. I mean, we're you know we're based in Allerton at the moment. Our head and Eccles. We've had kids come from Kirby to training sessions. Mm. And, you know, there's a couple of kids there who play for a couple of our teams from Kirby. Now, again, that's more pressure on parents. You've got to get up a little bit early. It's another 15, 20 minutes on the journey. It's petrol and things like that. These are all the things that are adding up. People don't realise when you're involved in grassroots football, it's not just about turning up on a Saturday and playing a game of football. It's everything in the meantime. You know, you've got to get the facilities, you've got to get the pitches, you've got to get training kits, you've got to get bibs, you've got to get balls, you've got to get cones, you've got to ring referees up. You've got to, It's a massive big job now and people just don't want to do the job. And it, it's sad that where I'm born and bred is in Heighton, you know, and Heighton, you know, people saying I said Harold Wilson put Heighton on the map. Well, Harold Wilson didn't put Heighton on the map. The schoolboys put Heighton on the map. Peter Eden, my brother, uh, Keith, they won the English Schools Trophy. They're the smallest town to ever win the English Schools Trophy. Mm. That, was, that was an achievement on its own. So it was that was football. I put it on the map. Now, when you see the likes of Reedy, Stephen Gerrard, Nugent, you can go through them and that, you know. There's less and less players coming out of Heighton, which was a hotbed, into grassroots football playing for like Liverpool and Everton. And we've got to ask our got to ask why? Because the population's still growing. And me, I think again, it's down to academies taking them in so soon. If we stop these kids going in to eleven and twelve years of age, when they go to secondary school, <coughs> let's give them the chance to play grassroots football, sevens, eights, nines. Because if you look at it, some of these kids now, if they start at six years of age, 
they go to 12 years of age, they've had six years of playing grassroots football. They're going to get bored with it eventually and that, you know, if if there's no goal, do you know what I mean? And that goal's being taken away from them because they think once they're released from an academy, whatever age, I'm not going to make it. No. Anywhere well, else is down then, isn't it? You yeah, know, there's, there's no, uh, very few. I mean, it'd be interesting to be spoken before we went on air about like certain players that have dropped out and, and managed to scramble back in yeah. somehow. You know, football, if you, if you look at like kind of football history in the 70s, 80s, 90s, listed with loads of players who, yep. who, who kind of went in a 14, weren't quite good That's enough, right, but yeah. you found a way back. I mean, yeah. I wonder, you know, whether the, a lot of the kids who, who've been in for five or six, I mean, I, I, a couple of mates who I play football with, their sons are going through exactly yeah. the same thing. He's been there for like, he's been at Liverpool for five or six years now and he thinks he's probably going to get let go at the end of the season. His love... He said it breaks the parents as well. You know, it breaks the parents yeah. and the, and the um, and the kids themselves. So there's a lot of wastage there. You know, I, I think you know there's there's so much of it. Um, I just I just wonder is 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 it reversible? You know, now like the the, the way it's gone because I think if if you look, I, I always like look back to kind of when Wayne Rooney got into the Everton team, team yeah. and it people suddenly thought, bloody hell, there must be loads of players like Wayne Rooney like that. That that seems to be like a lightning bolt for football, yeah, like, you know, in terms of the way they recruited, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, in the same, roughly around the same time in in, in Premier League football, Cesc Fabregas came in, 16-year-old, yeah. so there must be yeah. players in Barcelona of equivalent standards and it created this almost, um, this this absolute desperation to make sure that we did, didn't, didn't miss, miss out. Yeah. And I just think it's gone so far down a route now where... I mean, I said it before, I just think there needs to be some kind of sensible reform, but I don't know whether there's anybody there to do it. You know, I mean, I've seen I've seen there's clubs like Huddersfield have scrapped yeah, their academy right, and yeah. I, I wonder, it'd be, it'd be interesting in maybe in four, three or four years' time to go, you know, to, to a place like Huddersfield and see what the health of the amateur yeah. game is like there because that will have a knock-on effect then, won't it? Well, that must have come from the chair, that must have come from mm. the manager because they do a similar thing in Germany, I believe that uh, the clubs are attached to grassroots clubs and they don't take them into the academies. They're, mm. they're attached. So they watch them and let them play grassroots football and whatever. And if they progress, they progress into their academy. Is that something that we need to do over there? I don't know. Mm. I, I think it would certainly benefit. I think one of the issues that we've got, we were saying before, certainly with the non-league players and things like that, a lot of them, there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money from... Football and these academies that are saying, "Come and join us, and we'll get your trials here, and we'll get your trial here, and we'll do this, and we'll do that for you." Again, they're breaking their hearts because are they ever going to make it? They're not. I think people have got to understand the chances of a six or seven year old kid going into an academy and making it. You've got more chance of winning the lottery, mm-hmm. and people, parents have got to understand this. Let them play. Let them enjoy the game because I think a lot of people have fallen out of love with the game at the moment. And to tell you the truth, I'm slowly one of them. I think the Premier League is actually, as we said before, it was set up to benefit our game and grassroots football. I do believe it'll be the death of grassroots football Mm. and our game if something's not done. And I think, as you said, if we can get the investments... And it doesn't have to just be spent on facilities. It could be spent on cheaper coaching courses and things like that. And let's give our kids a better opportunity than maybe other countries and that, you know. 
It's interesting just uh, what you touched on before, Sai, about the, the geography and, you know, kids travelling across the city. Do you think with these, you know, the four hubs of Liverpool sort of coming in, do you think that's going to become more of an issue and, you know, create more of this vicious cycle that, that, we've, that we may be seeing in, you know, Manchester and other places? As we turn around and said, I think so. I really do. And, and I don't want grassroots football in this city, you know, to, to become like that. Because football should be for all. And you should be able to go anywhere to kick a ball around. It shouldn't be of ability. It shouldn't be affordability. You know, as I turn on and said, I'm going back to my days. I always remember a, 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 a chap who ran our team in the Wave 3 Alliance League. He, he worked for Palms and Harvey. He had a van. He took up 12 kids in his van to a football game. He never charged us. Now I'm thinking today, the, the amount of money kids are being charged, you know, for training and things like that. It's getting more and more and more and the pressure's coming on more. And I know in this city, and I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, to, to have a meeting with Joe Anderson, that this city for the first time ever, possibly next year, will be putting increases on grassroots football, which it's never, ever done. And I think that will be a shame to this city when we've got the two big Premier League clubs out there that can step forward and maybe subsidise the problems that Joe's got with the money situation for the council. And that's why he foresees that we've got to charge for this and we've got to charge for that. The billions in the game, them two, could set a precedent for me across the Premier League and across other towns and cities to do this. And I'd love to meet the both of them, sit round the table, put my point over and let's get more kids in this city playing football. And it's not just about, as you said, playing for Liverpool and Everton. It's all the other things that go on. The obesity problems, we've got £40 billion obesity problem in this country. You know, the stabbings, you know, in the city, you know, that are happening, the shootings that happen. Let's keep these kids out of gangs and let's keep them into teams. And these are all the talking points. I'd love to speak to Everton and Liverpool and Joe and let's sort something out for grassroots football within this city. And you mentioned the uh, the sort of past protests that you've done at, at some of the grounds and the past petitions that have gone through and, and you know, and failed. The current one is at, at just over 10,000 signatures. What do you think is sort of the next step for this now? The next step? I'm, just, I'm waiting for the response from government. Let's see what they've got to say and let's we'll see what the Premier League have got to say. And then I move forward again. I've got a few people, uh, personalities who have come forward, who want to be ambassadors. I've still got the likes of Neville Southall, who's an ambassador to the campaign, the likes of John Coleman, who's an ambassador to the campaign, the people out there. But what we've got to get, we've got to get these 100,000 signatures. And what people don't understand, this is a one-man band, and it has been for four years. I think people think it's a massive big organisation. It's my passion for grassroots football. So I need the help and support of certainly all the people who are going to be listening to this to sign the petition, to back the campaign. Let's support football within this city. Let's get the 100,000 signatures, even if it has to come from Liverpool. I hope it comes from the rest of the country. But once this gets a debate in Parliament, every one of them MPs owes it to their constituencies, to grassroots football, to non-league football in their towns and cities to put their hand up and let's put a levy 
on the money that's been wasted by the Premier League on more overseas players and their salaries and let's invest in our own for the future. Okay, we will be putting a link to that petition underneath the show, so do make sure you sign up. But thanks very much to Kenny for joining us. Thanks, Simon, as well, and thanks for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network.